When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. It's a real pleasure to welcome to the Softest Steel podcast a young man, yes, I said young, who I've had the pleasure of knowing for several years. Nick Carrillo is the vice president of the Western Wall and Ceiling Contractors Association. In his own words, his job is to serve the contractor members and serve as a liaison between labor and management and meet the needs of the contractor and labor community in the finishing trades. Nick is the second generation of his family to make his career in the construction industry. As is true for so many in the construction industry, particularly contractors, Nick works for his dad. He began his career in 2006 working for an architectural products company, and later in 2011 working for an association representing finishing trades contractors across the USA. Nick is the future. He's a millennial. He is passionate about bringing technology into wider and wider use and shaping the construction industry workforce. He is excited about inclusion, along with change that is happening at a faster and faster pace every day. Nick, welcome to the Soft to Steel podcast. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. That's a great introduction. I, I thank you. Happy to be here. I'll send you a copy. And if you use it anywhere, please, uh, I will get royalties. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I will credit <laughs> you. First, middle, and at the end. All Thank right. You. So as we could both probably guess, we know each other fairly well. And so there were hints, even in your introduction, about some of the things that I think is important for us to talk about. Now, I, I want you to talk about the things that we are interested in from the perspective of a millennial who's spent the last, what would they say, 2000, that'd be uh, 14, 16 years in the construction industry. So is that 16? Is that the right math? I I'm yeah. never good on math, you know. Yes, uh, 2006, I departed my hometown, but I was working in the field for a couple of years prior, so probably 2004 ah. uh, is when I started full time. All right, in construction. Yeah, I have a photo. You say working with my father. I have a photo of me holding the end of the nozzle of a cement pump. And we're standing at a brick wall and I was three years old. Wow. So I have been around job sites. I think my father left a job site early, reluctantly to go to my birth. Not reluctantly because he didn't want to see me, but because he knew he had time and he wanted to get to the end of the wall so he could just, yeah. he knew he could stop comfortably. So yeah, yeah. it's construction is uh, ever present yeah. in this household and this yeah. family. So, you know, just for, for our listeners to understand, your dad literally, as we say, uh, came up through the tools in the trade. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when he talks about the things he talks about today in his role as your boss and serving those same contractors and others that I talked about in your introduction, he does it with the incredible strength of his direct, deep, and technical knowledge of the trades that he deals with every day for his members, mm -hmm. which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. And then I don't have to learn anything. I can just ask him. So it saves me a lot of <laughs> mental space. And no, I, I'm very fortunate to have him as a mentor. I like to challenge it a little bit. I don't like to say I work for him. I'm fortunate to work with him. 
it's a blessing daily. Five years ago, I probably never would have been able to. You know, you get a little bit of youthful arrogance. Mm-hmm. You think you're right. And then once the humility kind of settles in, I realize the opportunity I'm afforded and I don't take it for granted. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. You don't. And you demonstrate it on a daily basis and with a good measure of humility, how much you appreciate your origins and, and also to have your dad to work with. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. It's very cool. And obviously, you know that uh, this is called the Softest Steel Podcast. It is a nod towards my seminal work of December 2019. And you know that I talk whenever I get a chance about that part of our industry, the construction industry, as well as any enterprise, whether it's a for-profit company, a charitable organization, or a community-based organization. And that is the people part of these enterprises in our industry. And that I believe strongly and enthusiastically and almost to a point where I annoy people that, uh, you know, doing the job is, is uh, fundamental. So if you're a contractor, uh, you, get, you get projects because uh, people are hired think you can do the job. You can deliver the, the end result they're looking for. But how you do the job in terms of how you relate to people, how you present yourself, how you represent the organization that you work for by demonstrating what kind of a person you are is really uh, what wins the day, what uh, allows relationships that, that start to continue to grow and to become long-term and mutually very, very fruitful relationships. Things are changing in our industry. And I I alluded to that again in part of your introduction. As most millennials, um, you are are comfortable with a couple of different things. And I touched on again on both of them. One, you're you're comfortable with the notion that that, uh, everybody's different. So the idea of inclusion is not a big deal for millennials, other than the fact that I think they get impatient with us of the of the baby boomer generation, uh, when we uh, when we pause on that and uh, and say, well, you know, I don't know about that. You know, I, yeah, I know I know they're talking about it all the time, but I'm not just I'm just not sure. So that's the inclusion piece. The other part is technology. And uh, I had a wonderful conversation with the CEO of an engineering and construction management firm in out of Seattle, Washington. Uh, and one of the points that he made, it was kind of like the finishing comment in our conversation that uh, technology is here to stay. Uh, it's going to grow. It's going to expand. It's going to become more significant in every aspect of the building process. But we'll always have people. Mm-hmm. So, from the millennials' perspective, I've said I've said a few mouthfuls of things. What are your thoughts about you know where we are and this whole notion of recognizing the importance of of people uh, in uh, in our in our business in our day to day lives? Man, that's yeah. I- I got I got to try to fractionalize that so I can talk about it because that's mm-hmm. basically the entire theme of our entire industry <laughs> as uh, where we are and what we're doing. So I think what I'll try to talk about first in my perspective is feeling as the young individual in the room and then bec- and then identifying it and then finding ways to balance the multi-generational environment. In the construction industry, if you're 35 to 40, sometimes, you know, you creep up into your mid 40s, that's still considered a young professional in our world. When you sit into the room of the decision makers um, in the specialty subcontractor community, the general contracting community, I think, is aging lower. Its aggregate age has started to um, reduce, and that's a concerted effort through recruitment in colleges. And then once there's kind of this um, group, they start to recruit their peers. But the specialty subcontractor community still has somewhat of an older demographic. 
So you feel younger. But then if I were to go compare myself to, say, the fashion industry or the digital communications industry, I'm old. I don't even know what's 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 cool now. I I I'm learning daily that I've I think I have a pulse on things. I just learned about a new social media like a week ago and tried to get on it and it was of no interest to me. So I'm I'm already aged out of uh, of a few things. Uh but what when we we talk so much in this world about the need to recruit and the need to get the young people into the room and we focus on it and we make it our focus but it's an evergreen situation forever in any i remember seeing a time magazine cover and it was something about the boomers replacing themselves with gen x and how gen x is aloof and they they don't know much and it's like are we doomed kind of thing and then the millennials got that same thing when the boomers realized there's as many millennials as there are boomers which should i, I there should have been comfort cuz mm-hmm. that gives that gives a little bit of a safety net cuz gen x was so much smaller than the baby boomers you're looking at social security you're looking at uh medicare there's got to be another community coming up to fund those public services. But then the millennials came in, oh, a little sigh of relief. We've got a generation that can we can go possibly one for one. So that big stroke going into our industry, I believe that we are in it. We are in our industry as it is today. So we're not going to be able to say, all right, we all collectively agree, we're going to lower this aggregate age by 10 years, and we're going to do it in three months. And that's going to be the new industry. Our industry has to move as it has continued to move and slowly evolve to this new era of construction. And you've got champions in this industry that are sitting in the boardrooms today that are the younger individual, and they're going to champion the message downward. But I think we we falsely try to solve something that will forever be there. And I guess the, the idea is why don't we take who we have and just make it a part of business, not the focus of business. What is it that you guys would want? What is it you guys need? Um, And if you've got the younger generation saying, we'd love to have gym memberships paid for every month, let's not look at it as being funny, but say, okay, you look at other industries like the tech industry. I mean, they're serving bagels for free and you who's in the fridge. And that seems laughable, but it draws people from across the nation. Mm-hmm. I saw this thing. Um, the State University of Oregon is e- a- able to recruit. And a lot of it is just the visual presence that they hold. The neon green uniforms, the cool, the cool mascot, the crowded stadium. All of that is recruitment. You're still playing football on grass or turf in an arena of your peers. And you could place that anywhere in the world. But because they have a better visual representation and they're willing to stand behind what's sought out, they're able to recruit the highest quality of candidates. So let's take that and just put it into a, a micro environment. What can your office do to attract or retain the next generation? If they tell you they'd prefer a, a spring water over, you know, a faucet water, is it hard to buy one water fountain? Yeah, like subtleties like that. Let's mm-hmm. let's just look at it as it's a constant evolution, and as each generation comes in, 
let's just let's step with it. Let's walk with it. I don't know. Did I did I get you there? Did I? No, those are all important and well said thoughts. How do you I, you know one of the, one of the the points of resistance on the people part when we talk about the the uh, the different generations attempting to to work in the same environment, whether the environment is a physical environment or a virtual environment, that really at the end of the day isn't isn't the key. But they're 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 working together. The younger generations have you know a certain view of of uh, something which my generation would describe as is uh, work life balance mm-hmm. and things of that nature, or an interest in you know not working sixty or seventy or eighty hours a week, and and uh, or the idea that it would be nice if if every morning before we went to work. Uh, that if there, if there were donuts and bagels there for us to have, or maybe just once a week, but something. But the idea of just, uh, I'd almost use the term, uh, the socialization of work. And then, but then we, when we look at it from the perspective of, of the construction industry, the construction industry, uh, the, 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 the view continues to be work is done in a physical workspace. Uh, and even if it isn't all of the work, that's what we know about. And when we're trying to attract people to the construction industry, we have to try to paint a picture uh, that doesn't look as hard from a physical labor standpoint, and that there are there are flexibilities built into it. That it is not simply you arrive at seven, you leave at four, you get a fifteen minute break in the morning, a fifteen minute break in the afternoon, and forty five minutes for lunch, or whatever it may be in terms of work rules and and practices. In the tech world, you use that as an example, and I'm aware of from knowing some things about uh, Google and, and what their workplace is like, right on down to game game machines and pool tables and, and lounges and all this other kind of stuff. But then those folks, when they when they finish lounging, uh, they, they open up their laptop and they continue to work, or they go to a standing desk, or they go to another place that is beautiful and has flowers and plants, and they, they do productive work. In construction, when you get into the field, which is, you know, again, we're the build, we build things in the construction industry, right? I mean, I, I think you, you and I both understand it fully. You know, whether it's whether it's the the, found, the foundations, the the walls, the, you know, we, we build stuff and we do it with with our hands. But now, because of technology, uh, we're finding ways that we can leverage the human uh, power with machines of different types. I see. You see how I'm struggling as a boomer mm-hmm. to to explain. You know what that looks like, so that as we think about, uh, and it's just an important part of your your service to your contractors. I heard a talk recently where the speaker said that uh, there is not a the the, the idea of of a workforce problem in the construction industry is not accurate. Uh, Workforce issues are a characteristic of the construction industry and probably every other industry as well. And when I heard that, I said, ha-ha, I'd never heard it said that way ever, and it immediately made sense to me. Um, and, and, it, if, and if you accept that, then the discussion doesn't need to be about, you know, about uh, what are we going to do with our, with our labor shortage. The discussion needs to move to how are we going to find and attract the individuals that we need in the construction industry of today and tomorrow, not the construction industry of yesterday. What are your thoughts? One thing I want to talk about crafting the image. So if I forget, remind me. But the you you talk about um, well, how do we attract? But what if we just try to be better? And just being better will, as a product, attract the best. 
So if we go out with a charge to say, we will make every job site safer, we will use the tools, resources, and technologies to pr provide a better product, you know, we'll go taller, we'll go faster, all of these things to make the job site better, going from a compact disc, if we're going back to comparisons, compact disc player, then to anti-skip. They didn't, they didn't advertise to people saying those people who like the anti-skip buy it. They said, we've advanced. The iPhone advances every time without the idea that we're trying to recruit new buyers. That's a product. So what we do is, are, are we hindering progress in the pursuit of attraction instead of trying to advance this industry and finding the people that could run the advancement? Mm-hmm. So mm -hmm. that's one thing that I, th and it's happening. You've got advancing prefabrication conferences. You've got technology conferences. You've got lean construction conferences. You've got all of these conferences where it's happening, but still on the micro level, we're talking about how do we attract more people? Mm -hmm. What if we just try to be the very best and every year we were better. And then when you're the very best, people want to work with or for you. Um, so how do you craft that message? I think you're asking, well, we know work and we build one of the, I'd give presentations about generation gap communication. And at every city I go to, I show a picture of the skyline or the cityscape. And I go, look at this. And I take the time to point out everything I can. I say the school you took your child to, to learn how to read. The, the church where your family um, laid to rest or celebrated new beginnings, the park where you learned to play games, all of these places, all of these things that make your life what it is, is there because of a tradesman or woman. All of it. There's nothing in your life that happens that isn't a direct, directly affected by a tradesman or woman putting together something roads you drive on, sidewalks you walk on, you know, the football field you broke your arm on, whatever that happens. And it's just, it's just is, it's just part of life. And we focus, when you go into a building, it's cool to see the shiny floors and the beautiful paintings, but no, everybody takes for granted the studs that were stood up, the underlayment, the, the front loading, the engineering, the, the Apple. So Apple, I saw a span of glass like the Apple campus, 75 linear foot glass that's a, applied in a, in a vertical fashion. And we just look at it and go, oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm saying, what? That is fascinating. Mm -hmm. That The deflection on some of this glass could be 18 inches either way. That's 36 inches. That's three feet. The center of glass can move three feet and it's okay. But we just, oh, this is cool. The glass is cool. Anyway, let me go inside and uh, spend mm -hmm. you know my money mm -hmm. and buy my coffee. So I look at it of, I'm grateful for everything that we have as a result of the trades. So let's get nitty gritty of, well, how do you craft that message? You, it's hard to tell people the pride you feel, how to feel like, oh, come on, you'll feel prideful. Nobody wants that. Like, oh, come on over kid, work construction, then you'll feel pride because you'll drive around and you built it. That's cool. But when you're entering the workforce, what you're, you're taught is look for your future benefits healthcare, safety, look for these things that you're, that everybody's been taught to look for. I'm fortunate to work in an environment where everybody is signatory employers. So I'll speak to that. 
signatory employment means that they agree to employ a union workforce. This isn't uh, only for the unionized environment, but it's I'm going to use this reference, and it can be in merit shops as well or non-union environment. But if if the message was crafted that when I enter into the workforce for a community of contractors, and I will be guaranteed a pension, which is a retirement, a, a form of a retirement fund, a 401k in some situations, my health care is paid for by my employer for every hour I work, I can go and continually be upgraded and trained and have all of my certifications done for me so I don't have to go get those done. All of those are in a package. And then I can carry that package to each employer that I want to go find. It removes that discouragement of not liking somebody. I I, I went into construction. I didn't like the people in the in the field. They they made fun of me. What do you know? Whatever it is, or I worked too hard. They often will dismiss it. But if I knew I was carrying those benefits with me and I could go try out different places, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Then that feeds the idea. And it's not the same, but it fits the narrative or the idea of gigging or work as long as I want, go do a little bit of what I want, and then go back to work so I can go back and do what I want, work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Then what will happen is once you get them in, they'll find their community, they'll find the people, theme of this, they'll find the people, and those people will keep them and retain them in the industry, and then they're fired up about the industry. Then the, the pride comes. Technology is another opportunity to craft a message. We we look at it and we're saying, we're cool. We have VR. Honestly, that is, that's not a day-to-day thing yet. I don't know what the landscape is. Um, people, And then you got the young group when we're saying we have VR and you put AR on their heads. And they're like, this isn't VR, this is AR. Those, those small details matter to them. So if we're uh, a community of old folks, like, guys, we got the technology. We just got wireless, you know, whatever. It, mm-hmm. it, and we paint it, they're going to dismiss it. It that The world to this next generation of technology just is. It just is. So they're not the, the idea of augmented reality or a virtual environment. I mean, they had Tupac play at Coachella. The gentleman's been dead for decades, but they put a hologram on the stage and he, he played a concert through a hologram and they played his music. That was just cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it just is. Mm-hmm. So we, when we try to like highlight it as a benefit or a feature, but then they go into the day to day and it's not there all the time. Well, then that's, you know, that's a little discouraging, but if you tell them that they could be the vehicle for the implementation, adoption and growth of technology in the construction industry, boom, it's, it's a different, the messaging just need, we got to, I'm going to change the messaging a little bit. We can't, I think we, we do ourselves a disservice by trying to coach down and tell them what we're doing instead of reaching down and saying, this is what we're doing. What would you guys do? Well, how would you fix this? You said a few minutes ago, um, the idea of we're, we're focused on how we go about recruiting people rather than just trying to get better at what we do. The old term for those three words you used would be continuous improvement, mm-hmm. which, and you can't use those two words because they conjure up a lot of negative images as well. I mean, the whole idea that, that if, we, if we're doing an iterative process, whether it's building, whether it's uh, painting, whatever it may be, if we do it over and over and over again, you know, theoretically, we're, we're going to get better at it. Even if, even if we talk about doing coding, 
in, uh, in, in the technology world. If we do more and more of it, we're going to get better and better at it. Oh, by the way, when you think about you know, doing coding and other kinds of program development and software this and software that, it all sounds very, you know, very exciting because it, because it feels like you are creating something. Uh, and then Nick comes along and says, you know, it just, you know, take your son or daughter and just take a ride in, into downtown Phoenix or downtown Seattle. And, and, and this happened to me just uh, six or eight weeks ago. I went to visit a contractor in, in Phoenix, you know. And the first thing we did with my host was he, he wanted to drive me around downtown and show me some of the projects that they had done. Mm-hmm. And I was in awe of it. He wasn't trying to recruit me, but he was trying to share the pride that he has in recognizing that we don't, we don't just build stuff or paint stuff or install stuff or whatever constructors do, but we create places. We create mm-hmm. environments, as you, as you described it so well. Why isn't and we're in we're in we we share time in the unionized construction world unless you think they're doing a great job. Why why are the principal suppliers of skilled labor to contractors that are that are signatory? Why aren't they doing more and more aggressively and more energetically and more creatively to as you said craft the image? You. What? So I just <laughs> no, uh, no, no. It's good. It's a it's just... a valuable. This it's a pointed question and it's a good question. I just spent some time, uh, kind of fantasizing about how we should be doing everything, but I don't want to just leapfrog over the centuries that got us to where we are. We, we still have a debt of gratitude to all of the effort to take us where we were. When we went from hand applied interior gypsum to sheets of gypsum drywall, mm-hmm. that was a massive technology upset in this world. It allowed us to build ha- houses faster. It changed kind of the quality of product. It did a lot of things, good, bad, or indifferent. And when we're looking at today, we're not, we can't just light switch bring in a bunch of young folk and have them tell us young folk, Jesus, I'm still a millennial. I'm young. I swear. <laughs> I, we can't just bring in a I'm bunch sorry, of kids. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I've been around you guys too much. Yeah. The old I gotta, guys. I got to yeah. find a, I got to like, I got to go for a young mentor. I got to find somebody who's maybe 21. There you, you go. Know, got there a good go. head about them and oh, have yeah. them teach me. Yes. Um, hmm. If we bring in a bunch of, uh, kids, young individuals, young professionals, and we say, all right, tell us how to fix everything. We may lose sight or forget a lot of infrastructure or develop uh, pathways that allow for this industry to thrive. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to look at something. I don't have a great example. Uh, I, I can't even make one up on the fly, but let's say something that could get overlooked very easily because it's not steadily used or regularly visited, but it's important every five years. That could be easily looked over as we don't need to do that because it doesn't impact the job site that we're building today. Mm-hmm. But you have somebody who's saying, no, I've seen it for five years, every five years, for 35 years. This is paramount. That that transition needs to be blended like like hot and cold coming together to create that perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at um, the, the, the individuals with the labor movement 
And their interest is protecting those that are working in the industry. Every day, new technologies, new job site environments are presented to their workers. And every day, our employers are employing these individuals and tasking them with new responsibility. There's going to be a need to immediately respond to just the job site itself and making sure that the employer has somebody who's going to give their best effort, be productive, and be safe. And then once that happens, then they can start saying, all right, we want to grow our community. But as a product of doing all of this stuff, they're their community is growing already. So the employers have a recruitment responsibility. Labor has a recruitment responsibility. And the industry is moving so fast. We're just trying to learn how to barefoot ski and we've never done it before. So let's just make sure we got a life vest on. Let's make sure we can stand on the water. And then once we're standing, we can learn how to do some tricks. And right now is the time for us to all start doing tricks. We're there. I think we've got the infrastructure, a lot of a lot of development. You got DEI, you've got a lot of safety. Yeah, the pandemic was a extraordinary lesson in mobilization of of um, job site safety. Mm-hmm. It was it was wonderful. And what what it gave us is infrastructure and processes to mobilize and adapt rapidly. So now we can use that. Mm-hmm. So what, once you've got that cadence, I think then we can say, all right, how are we going to go out and recruit? And I don't want to paint a picture that they're not doing it. On the, on the global scale, they are. You've got um, some unions that are going into trades, uh, into high schools and implementing trade shop. By the way, I was going into high school and Dad was telling me, I took auto shop, I took metal shop, he welded, he took woodworking shop, and I was fired up to mm-hmm. go to wood shop. I was fired up for auto shop, nothing. Right. I got one woodworking class, and it was a 100-level working class, and I could take it again to get a duplicate credit if I wanted to. And that was it. That was the only thing that I saw. But equally, I also took AutoCAD at the time. Um, which was never taught at the high school level. So it was a leading opportunity for, because I was going to pursue architecture. Um, any good construction employee has dreamed, grandiose dreams of being an architect and then realizes they'd rather build it than design it. Mm-hmm. Not, a, not a knock on architecture because mm-hmm. what they do is incredible. Um, but yeah, it, so now we, my generation lost that opportunity and now it's starting to come back with support of the labor and management environment. And uh, it's it's going to work. And it's working where it has been around. Uh, and then I wanted to touch, earlier you said something about not wanting to work, or maybe you didn't, maybe I assumed that's what you were implying, or what do we say? There's an entire community of men and women willing to work hard. They're just busy working. So why why are we trying to recruit to people and convince them to come in? The hardworking men and women are there. They are already there. There is a group that is willing to get their hands dirty, bust their knuckles, work until they sweat every day because it makes them feel good. And we think they don't exist. They're there. We just got to find them. We got to tell them. 
We're paying a shitload of money. You got good benefits. You're going to work all year. If you don't work all year, you're going to make so much. You, It'll be all right if you take a month off. I, there, I, uh, I argue, and it, th- there's a lot of jaded individuals, a lot of jaded employers, a lot of my peers uh, my age that are jaded at the, the individuals coming in. But you got to remember, everybody who's willing to work hard is working. They're busy working. They don't have the time to come out and try to uh, find a job because they're gainfully employed. Mm-hmm. So we just got to figure out how to tell them our lawn is better than their lawn. Come on over and relax. Doesn't that speak volumes to the idea that the term innovation is generally applied to, in today's life, to technology? And that's where innovation happens. In past generations, the wheel was an innovation. Mm-hmm. It was also a technology. So shouldn't we be trying to paint the picture that the building process is continually changing and you young person, if you learn something about what's involved and the fact that you would use your hands to do this type of work, that you also need to be creative and you also need to be able to figure things out. You know, all those three thoughts have been put into the path of and the acquisition of knowledge via traditional academic route high school, but more importantly, college. But there are so many different things to be learned. I mean, it's just a question of getting the attention of the younger people. And that's why I liked your idea about crafting the image. And also your thought about just getting better, just portraying the industry and and all of its components is important to humanity in a very large way. And it happens at the level of communities and institutions. And it happens to create places for people to live all parts of their life. Wouldn't it be interesting and fun for you to be part of that? So, I mean, the the image thing, I think you dropped a a really great thought on that. But let me just ask a last question. Where is this industry going? Hmm. Where's construction going? What's it going to look like in 10 years? It's a great question. I could answer in an emotional aspect in people. I can answer in the futuristic city idea. I can answer in automation, but I would like to answer and say, it's not going anywhere. Okay. Construction will always be present. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I add as uh, icing on the cake, your first thought, and that is the emotional answer. Mm-hmm. What is the emotional answer? Where is it going? Mm-hmm. Yeah hopes or dreams or where it's headed. So I'm in the association environment. And the number one reason I am in this industry is because of the people. Everything I have ever done as a direct result of being guided by, coached, working with people. I love people and I love this industry and everybody that's in it. So where it's going is you're going to see a more community-driven construction environment where I think we're wrought with provisions, clauses, and contracts. And we focus solely on the idea of getting something done. And we will likely see a correction into the, how can we accomplish this together? We've done the contracts to death. We know what it's going to take. We've all protected our interests. Okay. Now, let's work together. Let's huddle up. Let's be supportive of each other. 
hey, other trade, see you backing up a little bit. Is there anything we can do in our scope to help? It'll just be a more open communication environment on sites. And that's going to go from the apprentice all the way to the superintendent. It will always be veiled in curse words, assumptions, a ragged, rough edge. That's Mm -hmm. just who you are or what is in construction. So I'm not painting this like rosy kind of, hey, man, peace sign Mm -hmm. environment on a job site. No, I'm painting a more open communication for success together. And a lot of people are probably listening right now and going, yeah, Nick, we do that already, dude. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. Just think about a time when you saw somebody lagging behind and you just go, man, they need to pick it up so we can keep going. Mm -hmm. I see the hand being reached out and saying, is there anything we can do in our scope to support you catching up? Thanks for joining me on this Off the Steel podcast. You got the last word, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Softest Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.